T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk podcast i'm ryan recker filling in for mark reardon happy to be with you here today and you can find me online at ryan recker ryan recker radio and before we go into sue's news fred bottomer i have a question for you i was hoping you might be able to give me some marital advice (laughs) oh boy all right let's try it all right how long have you been married uh 27 years oh that's fantastic so here i want to give you the um scenario that happened to me. And I was talking to my wife last night and I said, you know, honey, uh, you know, I'm filling in, I'm doing the Mark Reardon show. And then afterwards, you know, it's going to be close to night, you know, with the time change difference, I'm here in Detroit, it'll be seven o'clock. We're going to start winding the kids down. It'll be time for them to go to bed. You know, we're going to have some alone time. We haven't had alone time in a little while. And you know what my wife said? She said, I have a headache tomorrow. (laughs) Fred, what do you think she means by that? I think she means she has a headache tomorrow. I think that's uh, pretty clear. <laughs> how can you how can you guess you have a headache tomorrow? Wow. That's pretty bold. That's a, quite a statement. Oh boy, Man, I think I've I'm got in a, trouble. I've got <laughs> I've got a question for you. What do you do when your wife says she doesn't want a Christmas present? Oh boy. Well, you you find a backup present that she won't feel too bad about getting, but you know she really wants one. That's one of those lies, you know, that's just, okay, honey, yeah. what I we've did, played this game before. We, we know what's going on here. What I did is um, I, I go through my son. So I have a son 26 and a son 24. So I mm-hmm. help them buy things for her. So then so she'll you get have extra a proxy. presents. Yeah, so I'm getting so, in the back door on the present giving. So are you having your sons create art like they would in fifth grade or are you are you getting real presents? Oh, no, 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 no. They're 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 getting real presents. They're um, cutting cardboard with and, their glue and, you sticks know, and, and yeah. I I can say something to them like how about we get this and like 20 seconds later it's already a- ordered on Amazon. They're that oh, yeah. quick. It, it you know, for me it takes my afternoon to figure out what I'm going to do. And before I've, you know, before the commercial break is over, they've ordered it already and it's on the way. It's amazing how that works out. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Oh, one, other thing, right. one other thing I wanted to ask you. Um, mm-hmm. what, how do you feel about about eggnog? We heard there was Hate a, it. at the top of this hour, there was a news story on, on traveling tips, what you should and shouldn't do when you're at the airport. And one of them said, you know, things like eggnog you should put in your carry on. Don't have it go through a TSA screening. <laughs> carry on. And yeah. It's and, refrigerated, right? I thought, yeah. what do you mean carry on? I think on? they said make sure it's in your checked bag because it's a liquid. Huh. 
So they want you to put <laughs> oh, it in okay. the bag that goes under the plane. And that's just I'll tell you so what. gross to me. The, the eggnog could be curdled, and I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. It's so gross to begin with. You could put basically watered-down cottage cheese and call it eggnog. It would taste the same to <laughs> me. It is so gross. Somebody must. I, I like it. But I can only do like one glass, and that's pretty much enough. But if you look at the store, there's all sorts of flavors of eggnog. So yeah. a lot of people must be drinking it. Mm-hmm. My sister's a big it. fan of eggnog, but I do not like it. So I also don't get it. Did you see something, Abby, online or was it on on the Internet about eggnog and eggnog challenge? Yeah. So there was a YouTube channel that doesn't exist anymore. And they did like a eggnog drinking challenge, essentially, where they had like eight glasses that got progressively bigger and you had to drink a glass and then eat a cookie. And by the end of it, they were so sick of eggnog and they looked very pale and not well. So I recommend not doing that. (laughs) I would also recommend not having eggnog. Who do you think's the more niche group, eggnog drinkers or the McRib eaters? Because both only come around Ooh. once a year, hmm. and it, they seem like they have their own audiences. They're kind of the one and the same in a way. That's really good. I um, think it has to be McRibs. Like I, mm-hmm. I never hear anyone talk about McRibs, but eggnog comes up all the time. Well, at least you don't drink eggnog. Like it's, it's July, and you're <laughs> thinking to yourself, "Man, I could really go for a big tall glass of eggnog." No one's ever said that. We've got a piece of sound that we always play, and I, I th- can't think who it's by. When it's ever like over 100 degrees and the actor is saying milk was the wrong choice. I think it's from Anchorman. <laughs> yeah, it's from Anchorman. That's Anchorman. right. Will Ferrell. Milk was a bad yeah. choice. All right. Are we going to do Sue's News? Yep. Already. <laughs> Let's do it. These allegations are deeply concerning. Does the president have any comment? We're not going to comment. It's not clear messaging. No, 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 no. And now, Sue's News, sponsored by Mr. Appliance, Speedy Expert Service. Call 636-674-6446. So, Sue and Mark will be both back on Monday, and they'll be here all next week. Abby and I will be gone. Um, but in yesterday's Sue's News, we talked a lot about the Home Alone home in Chicago and how much it's worth. It's <laughs> worth, I think, $2.4 million dollars. And they did a study to see how much the McAllister family would have to make annually to afford that home. And it came out to be about $700,000. So today we hear out of New York that the home for Home Alone number two is now up for sale in New York City. The Upper West Side townhouse where Kevin McAllister defeated the Sticky Bandits in Home Alone 2 is on the market for $6.7 million. Pricey? Sure, but it's almost 5,000 square feet look a lot better than they did when the movie was shot there more than 20 years ago. The listing describes it as a 19th century gem with a marble-trimmed fireplace, high ceilings, walnut floors, and two sets of bay windows, plus a private garden, a wine cellar, four bedrooms, and four and a half baths. It does not come with Kevin McAllister's booby traps. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. So almost three times more expensive yeah. than the Chicago house. Wow. So that movie came out in 1992, and they were renovating it in 1992. Did it take 30 years to renovate? <laughs> Is it just now on the market because they finally finished the renovations? It's probably gone through several hands since probably. then. Probably, yeah. Um, I like the idea that you could put a marker on the ground. This is where the wet bandits fell through the floor. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's still <laughs> such a good movie. It is. Um, have you heard of the Spanish lottery El Gordo? No. Oh, no. The drawing is tonight, or it might have just been, depending on the time change. Um, winning numbers are being drawn today in Madrid for Spain's Christmas lottery, known as El Gordo, or the fat one, with prizes <laughs> totaling more than $2,865,000. billion. Total prizes, $2.8 billion. The top prize is $440,000, like almost a half million. Yeah. But wow. the thing about this lottery is there's a whole bunch of different winners. So there's a, you know, a lot of money being given out to a lot of people. So to find out the numbers, local school children sing out the winning numbers. And here's what it sounds like. <laughs> I don't think I could understand. I, I know Spanish, but I couldn't catch those. So is that in the fashion of like an old Catholic service where they would sing? <laughs> it sounds like it was it almost like be. a cathedral. It, it really does. did, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's let me make sure I get the name right. Is it Gordo? Like you're gorging yourself? Yeah. You're fat? Well, G O R D O, El Gordo. Mm -hmm. The fat one. That that would be such a great radio name for someone. El Gordo, <laughs> the fat one. They have Love two, it. That, they have two giant rolling drums that contain the balls with ticket numbers and the prize amounts. It's ranked as the world's richest lottery because the total prize money involved is $2.8 billion. Is that strange that they involve children in gambling? Like, Is that just part of the culture? Can kids walk into a store and buy a scratcher in Spain? Oh, huh. I don't know. Can you do it here? I don't, I don't think you can. I thought I it was 18 wow. um, I know you to used play to the lottery. Yeah. Like I've heard stories of like my parents going to buy lottery tickets for their grandparents or something. So, hmm. yeah. And if you go to the old Catholic festivals, remember the pull tabs? Oh, they yeah. They used to do those. Oh, those are popular. That's they might popular. sell those to kids. But All imagine right. any other industry like that. So, oh boy, you like Bud Lights out there and they got kids advertising oh, their man. cans for them. Could you imagine? <laughs> that would be bad. Yeah. Um, here's something I, I'm just curious when you hear this story, Ryan, how many of these people you know? The list is out for the most streamed musicians of the year, and a Latin star is shaking up the music the music scene in the United States. Mexico's Pedro Pluma is YouTube's most streamed artist of the year in the U.S. He racked up more than eight and a half million views with his latest album, Genesis, helping him blow past Young Boy Never Broke Again, Drake, Bad Bunny. Even Taylor Swift, Pluma's Billboard chart topper, Ella Baila Sola, She Dances Alone, was the number three most streamed song on YouTube. It made history earlier this year, becoming the first regional Mexican song to enter the top five on Billboard's all-genre chart. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Pedro Pluma. Sounds wow, like a ball never player. heard. What do you think? No, me neither. Abby? I had uh, never heard of him either, no. Oh, the other, another one in there, I think I wrote it down right. Young boy never broke again. I've never heard of that either. <laughs> nope, me either. I recognize three that's, names that's that too, they said. I know. That's too yeah. many words for a name. Um, yeah, it sounds like one of those streaming rappers or whatever, but I'll give um, credit to the reporter there. Yeah. Trying to read the titles of the albums in Spanish is not an easy thing to do on the fly, so they did it great. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how much you're into, since you're in Detroit, into baseball with the Tigers there. And, you know, they just signed Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals right. um, as mm -hmm. a pitcher. 
But Major League Baseball has announced some changes in the rules, um, including one that played a a role in a legendary World Series game. Here's something on that. We take you back to 1969, World Series Game 4 between the Baltimore Orioles and the New York Mets. It's taken now by Rickett, throws to first, and it hit him in the back. On the Mets, J.C. Martin was hit by that throw. The winning run scored, but video showed Martin was clearly in fair territory and out of the runner's lane, which was illegal. Had a replay rule existed back then, Martin would have been called out. Who knows what the outcome might have been. But 54 years later, MLB's Rules Committee is widening the runner's lane. It'll now include a portion of fair territory, changing a rule that's been in effect since 1882. Peter King, CBS News. So they're going to make the baseline wider. And I think another one of the challenge or one of the changes is they're going to cut back even further on the time before you can pitch. So instead of a 20 second clock, it's going to be an 18 second clock. And they're going to cut down on the number of visits to the mound. I think you mm. they cut those back to five and now it's going to be four. Wow. So they're doing You're right, love. Like, baseball short. fans complain about missed calls from 55 years ago. It's like, do you remember that World Series 55 years ago? What a oh. terrible call. That's only something a baseball fan would be able to complain about. You're right. You're right. Um, I, I was with my son from Atlanta in town. He, his friend, they came in here in a um, Tesla. And I was out for a ride in it with him the other day. And it was... Uh, they put it on the self-autonomous driving, mm-hmm. and so it was just driving on its own, and you have to tap the steering wheel every once in a while so they know that you're still there. Um, Mercedes-Benz is now coming up with a plan to make it clear that when you're on the road and you're using autonomous driving, autonomous driving, that everyone around you is aware of it. Uh, they're going to test some exterior marker lights in California and Nevada to show when someone is using increased levels of autonomous driving on public roads. In California, the lights will be added to the front and rear lamps. Those will be turquoise because it's distinguishable from existing lights and emergency systems. And uh, Mercedes wants those turquoise lights to be an industry standard. You know what they call that? (laughs) Vegan mode. Because everyone around you needs to be made aware you're a vegan. Everyone oh. around you needs to be made aware that it's an autonomous vehicle. You've heard that joke, right? Okay, how can you tell someone's a vegan? Oh, don't worry. They'll tell you. They'll call that. So basically, you're you're talking about autonomous vegan mode. <laughs> you know, I kind of appreciate it, though, because I don't trust the autonomous driving yet. I'm a very anxious driver, so I like being in control of my car when I'm in it. So I would, like, avoid those people if I knew. I was pretty scared sitting in there. Yeah. Um, I'm not ready for it yet. <laughs> Maybe in, like, no, 20 thanks. years. Okay, here's one I, I want to get in. Um, this is about potatoes. Potatoes may no longer be considered a vegetable if the USDA gets their way. What? The agency's looking to reclassify potatoes, moving them from starchy vegetables into the same category as grains, rice, and other carbs. According to the Wall Street Journal, the U.S. Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee is working on retooling their dietary guidelines for 2025, and potatoes may be reshuffled. The reason? The increase in different diets and eating patterns. The National Potato Council is not on board with the potential change, saying and while they believe Americans should consume more non-starchy vegetables, they don't think that recategorizing potatoes is the answer. Stacy Lynn, CBS News. Okay, so a potato as a vegetable was like one of the only vegetables that I 
enjoyed. So mm-hmm. I'm oh, feeling man. a bit cheated if they're going to take that out of the vegetable class. It's the vegetable. That's a big scandal. Yeah, it is. It's the vegetable <laughs> I, mean, just I eat be- the most. Like, do you remember when they declassified Pluto, no yeah, longer a planet? Right. This is on the same level as that. You're going to declassify my potato? Get out of here. You can't downgrade a potato. That's one of the last vegetables I got left that I love. People will be the same with potatoes as they are with Pluto. Pluto is still a yeah. planet. Potatoes are still a vegetable. That's I just will how go it to will the be. grave. I don't know if I ever thought, of though, of a potato as a vegetable. It doesn't seem like a vegetable. I guess I always have because what else could it be? I guess a grain. Starch. But... I don't know. Mm. I don't know. All right. So that's uh, that's it for today. Sue's News brought to you by Mr. Appliance. Speedy expert service. Call 636-674-6446. So today's random fact. Let's do two random facts since I've got two Christmas ones left. Um, the first one, candy canes date back to the year 1670. According to History.com, the choir master at a Cologne cathedral in Germany gave the red and white sugar sticks to young singers to keep them quiet during the living manger display at on Christmas Eve. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah. And our other, our second random fact, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer almost had a different first name. The creator, Robert L. May, was considering <laughs> Rolo... And Reginald. Oh my God! Before he finally settled on Rudolph. Reggie the red-nosed reindeer has a pretty good ring to it, though. That's cute. Yeah, I like Reggie. Uh, Don't mess with Rudolph. They picked the right (laughs) name. They did it right. It almost seems like you throw the because I've never heard anyone shorten Rudolph. Like it's never been Rudy. Like oh, Rudy the red-nosed reindeer. No, it doesn't work like that. So it's perfect the way it is. It is. All right, there you go. Thank you. It's Sue's News. Paul Hall, Common Guy Films Review, coming up next, 97.1 FM Talk. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Mark Reardon. You can find me online, Ryan Recker Radio. Joining us now from Common Guy Film Reviews, commonguy.com on the web. Paul Hall, hello, sir. 
Good afternoon, Ryan. How are you this fine pre, uh, I guess, Friday before Christmas? A great, uh, great day. Merry Christmas to you. I wanted to pitch an idea to you and get your thoughts All on right. it. I know everyone likes to debate that Die Hard is a movie for Christmas or not a Christmas movie. I have a new movie I want to pitch to you. I want to debate that Lord of the Rings is a Christmas movie for a couple of different Ooh. reasons. One, there's, there's no elves. debate on Die Hard, by the way. But, uh, but I, think uh, I, I want to hear this one. Okay, Lord of the Rings has elves. Okay, okay. lots of snow. There's there's snow. And they have a golden ring, just like the 12 Days of Christmas. So I think that makes it a Christmas movie. Hmm. I, I don't know if I can go there on that one. And, and here's the reason. Here's the thing that works with Die Hard on top of everything. Christmas is at the, the center of Die Hard. I mean, you're at a Christmas party. You're dealing with the themes of Christmas, of bringing the family together and, and making that, that instant connection with everybody who's important to you. Sure, there's guns and Hans Gruber and the Nakatomi Plaza, but it's still Christmas. And in fact, they went back in Die Hard 2, and I, I would argue with you, Die Hard 2 is a Christmas movie as well, as that takes place in D.C. during a snowstorm at Christmas time. There it is. Not a coincidence. All right. I'll have to, <laughs> I guess, try to get my argument a little bit stronger before I bring it to the movie guy. Uh, so tell me, what's in theaters? What are people watching right now? I'll tell you, this week is one of the biggest weeks for Hollywood because they open so many new movies, whether it's Aquaman, whether it's The Boys in the Boat with, uh, from, from George Clooney, whether it's Anyone But You, a comedy. But the one I want to really bring up and, and push forward, especially today, is what I think is one of the best movies to be released this year, and that's American Fiction. Do you know anything about this? No, I can't say I've heard it. All right, this is Jeffrey Wright. He plays a, a writer who is fed up with kind of the establishment thinking they understand. So take, take it like this. Wright is an African-American author, Thelonious Ellison. He gets the nickname Monk, obviously. And uh, he, he's writing good books, like important, highbrow, intellectual books. But he's seeing an industry that's kind of um, succumbing to people thinking black entertainment is something else. So he writes a book under a pen name with every stereotype you can think of under the, under, under the sun to create a book that all of a sudden the literary establishment is praising up one side and down <laughs> the other. It's all fake. It's all fake because he just simply made it all up along the way. He creates a character who... Um, well, he, he, he is a character who he his backstory is more of like he's on the run. He can't be you can't identify him so that he can be kind of anonymous out there. And it's just people that are fawning all over this book. That makes no sense whatsoever. And he knows that when he does it, he gets a lot of money on it. And he's got a side story with him and his family as his mom's moving on to assisted living. Uh, it brings in a great character for, with Sterling K. Brown, who has Missouri Rose. He, he is in, incredible, incredible in this movie. I love this movie. It is the exact opposite of everything you've seen out of Hollywood in years past. And I, and I think there's a lot of people that probably would be angry at what goes on here because he calls into question all those things where you think 
Uh, you've heard friends who think they know better, whether it's me as a film critic or, or a book critic or an art critic or whatever. A lot of times they kind of seem like they're above us. And this is the huh. case. The, it so, kind of gets the yeah, whole is, system. Is this a comedy? What kind of film is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it's more of a comedy. It's, it's got a little drama to it, too, but it's it's definitely a comedy. And it's just the ridiculous nature of people fawning all over something that makes absolutely no sense is... is it is, So the way you're describing it, is it anything like Don Quixote, kind of like that old one? Yeah, I guess, I guess a little. This is this is like, um, let's see. Without mincing any words, it's simply put: if someone stood up on either the left or the right and started talking about things that were absolutely ridiculous, and all the minions came underneath them and said, "Oh yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's beautiful," but yet they know it's ridiculous. So okay, that's so kind of what goes on here? It's like creating springtime for Hitler, and then all of a sudden people think it's the greatest thing ever, you know, and they kind of yeah. did it as a way to fail. <laughs> they think they think it's they think they know better than everybody else, and they think this is beautiful. Oh, and he is that way. on a it, this is really, I tell you, I I haven't seen anything like it in some time. Jeffrey Wright's phenomenal, Sterling K. Brown's phenomenal, and, and it's just def, definitely something that breaks out of the the normal Hollywood um, box, shall we say? Okay. Awesome. Okay, on uh, Netflix, they have some new releases, too. What's going on there? Yeah, you know, I wanted to mention Maestro, another very good movie. Leonard Bernstein, uh, played by Bradley Cooper, and his wife, played by uh, Felicia, played by Carrie Mulligan. And these two deliver performances that will just, they'll be weird at times, but it will be invigorating at times. Uh, this is the life and the love between the two legendary individuals, and Bernstein is brilliantly played by Bradley Cooper. He also directs this. And hmm. I'll tell you what, this is one that's going to kind of transition before you in, in a way like a uh, art as film uh, rarely gets seen. It's, it's definitely art uh, on the screen. And it's, uh, it's absolutely phenomenal for those. I mean, Bernstein, it, as you watch the film unfold, you forget about everything he did, whether it was the score for On the Waterfront or creating West Side Story. He's done so much uh, for the industry with his composing and his conducting uh, before his, obviously, before his passing in 1990. It, it's just, it's great. And Bradley Cooper is almost unrecognizable, which is amazing. So I, I like Maestro. I got into it the longer I waited. In the beginning, I was a little upset and a little kind of disjointed, but the more I let it progress, the better it wow. became. That's amazing. All right. Uh, I wanted to ask you, too, the news about Marvel and Jonathan Majors, and he gets in trouble. He gets yeah. the conviction. Marvel was creating a storyline, it seemed like, just for him, and now all of that is up in smoke after he was let go. So what do you think the future of Marvel films will be? How much Are they in trouble? Are they just going to recast them and be on track? What do you think is going to happen with those big blockbusters? You know, I think they'll eventually recast things. They, they Marvel is one of those groups that I think they're seeing a lot of writing out there right now that they need to kind of retool where they're going in general with the franchise uh, and the franchises within the, the Marvel banner. But that doesn't mean there aren't a million other stories within the Marvel lexicon that they can come out and actually talk about and create characters for. 
it's always a, a struggle when you cast individuals to um, control them off screen, and, and you can't. And we've seen it. it we've seen it. We've seen it in film as well that uh, controlling a character off screen uh, as their real life self sometimes can cause adverse effects. Uh, what we do off screen can hurt everybody, and that's the reason why uh, studios take out large, usually insurance policies on people that are especially risky uh, when they come come to bat. So I think they'll get there. I, I just think you may see some delays, and it could be even put off to the fact that, you know, we had the big Hollywood strike delays this summer. You know, they can kind of use that as well to kind of push things out. So I think it'll be, they'll be fine coming out of it. It just may have a different direction. Yeah, it's interesting. You're talking about these Hollywood studios that have these big insurance policies. I was listening to, I think, a podcast where they were discussing the biggest payout in Hollywood history when it came to insurance policies. And sometimes you think about they insure actors in case they get hurt. But really what they're insuring is the downtime they're going to have to pay everyone else in the loss of production time. And that's what they're insuring because that could cost millions and millions of dollars. You know, someone can't do a scene, a major star, because they hurt their foot, like Robert Downey Jr. did in Iron Man. And next thing you know, all the other people they're paying, all the other production times, all these other things are pushed back. That costs a ton of money, and that's what they're insuring. Yep. Days days wasted on the set are, are things that they can never get back. And people's schedules are so compacted these days that as you bounce from film to film, if you're 10 days late on your film, that means the next film that Tom Cruise is going to star in is going to be off 10 days later because a lot of times it's that tight on the schedule. And that means the grip that needed to get over and do may lose a job with Netflix doing a series or, or a different studio. So, yeah, I mean, you lose that loss of income for everybody when uh, a simple injury or a simple personal dispute or, uh, or even the um, unfortunate incident that may happen uh, can cause just massive delays and massive dollars lost in the industry. Yeah, I know we only got a minute or so here, and I'm sure you covered this already. So we do movie reviews here on the station I work for in Detroit, and the person that reviews it in-house for us called the new Wonka movie a masterpiece, and I was shocked by that. Did you see the new Wonka movie? I did, and, and I would say they're wrong. Um, and this is, oh. this is my feeling. Um, this is my feeling, and here's the deal. And I and I talked about it a little bit last week with Mark and and the crew that the fun isn't there. The fun that it was there in each of the other two versions of the film is not there because this is a prequel, and it's telling a story before Wonka becomes that lighthearted uh, owner of a chocolate factory where we get imagination around every corner and we see it on the screen. We don't see that here. In fact, we don't even get any kind of chocolate type stuff, factory stuff till well into the film. Uh, I just didn't, I didn't feel excited. I didn't feel fun. Uh, it's, it's a first step. Yes. Maybe when they come back and they do a sequel, which they inevitably will, it'll get better. But I, there was no fun. The magic was gone in this one. You know, if you want to view paradise, you got to have, this, you know, I guess it's a musical. So is there any new songs they introduce in that one that could compare yeah. to the old ones? Because they had some fantastic music in the old one. Oh, no, I see. I, I'm a close. fan of the old one and I, I, I cannot get past those songs. And the other thing that was disconcerting about Wonka was Hugh Grant didn't work for me as an Oopaloopa. 
He, he just didn't. And, and <laughs> oh, maybe sure. it's my own knowledge and, you know, my background knowledge. I'm partial to Gene Wilder. Uh, growing up yeah. with him and his his thing, uh, my daughter's partial to Johnny Depp and his version. Uh, there'll be another generation here that'll be partial to Timothy Chalamet in this version, but um, it's not going to be me. CommonGuy.com, Common Guy Film Reviews. You catch it right here on the Mark Reardon program. Paul Hall, it was fun. Good hearing from you today, sir. You too. Take care of yourself, Mark. And or, I'm sorry, Ryan. What am I doing? <laughs> and uh, happy holidays and Merry Christmas to everyone. Whatever you celebrate, enjoy. I celebrate Christmas, so I always wish people Merry Christmas. Oh, fantastic. Merry Christmas to you as well. Common Guy Film Reviews, CommonGuy.com. Paul Hall on the program. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk. Frank Cusimano coming up from KSDK next. And I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Mark Reardon. Happy to be with you here today. Merry Christmas to you all as we get close to that fantastic holiday on Monday. Joining us now is KSDK Sports Director Frank Cusimano. Thank you for coming on to 97.1 FM Talk. Ryan, great to be with you. I've been listening to you for years, even though you're not that old. I know. I feel old, though. I tell you what, you turn the corner of 40 and everything falls apart. Everyone told me that growing up. And then when it happens to you, you start to realize, no, they really mean it. It's not just something they say to scare you. Um, So the bragging rights game is coming up tonight, which is pretty exciting. What are your thoughts on this one? It really is one of the uh, special moments of the year. I mean, for two hours during the Christmas season, uh, you have. 9,000 on one side wearing orange, 9,000 on the other side wearing black and gold. And it really sometimes doesn't matter the caliber of each team or the records for each team because each team plays out of their mind, and it's a great game. Now, Illinois is a better basketball team. Um, they, they have uh, had some significant wins. Mizzou's coming off a disappointing loss against Seton Hall on Sunday. But I'm one of these guys that there's no way I'm going to say Illinois is going to blow them out. They should. They have more talent. They're more experienced. But I think Mizzou is just – it's one of those days that there's no way you can't be fired up. I mean, when you're an athlete and you come out on that court and you feel that kind of energy, you are going to play your guts out. So I'm really excited about it. I usually – I haven't missed one of these uh, since they started it, like 35 years ago. Yeah, and that's the nice thing about college basketball. You get those really super competitive games – And sometimes it happens with ranked teams. Sometimes it happens with unranked teams. It's just the the night could be right. And they put on such a great performance that you can just enjoy the game. That's the big difference. I think between college basketball and college football, sometimes you can get a college football team that's ranked in there like Mizzou, and they can just overpower the other team. The other team's never in it. It's not as enjoyable, but college basketball seems so much more enjoyable to me. Yeah, you're right. And Ryan, even though we don't want hatred in the building, those Missouri people really hate the Illini. And the Illinois people really hate the Mizzou people. And it just adds to the spiciness of this thing. You know, and, and there's some families that they could have a Mizzou guy in their family and an Illinois guy in their family. So it's going to be great, and I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, and I can't wait to see the big Cotton Bowl game, and I really hope Mizzou beats Ohio State. See, I'm a Michigan guy, so I really want to see Ohio State lose this one. Yeah, and I think that at least on paper, on the surface, it seems like it's going to be Mizzou. I mean, with up to 10 guys of Ohio State's team opting out because of draft ramifications and not playing for a championship, and for Mizzou, it's the game of the decade for them. I mean, this is what they've dreamed for and worked for all their life, to be in a New Year's Day bowl game, although it's on the 29th, 
and nobody would even think about opting out with Mizzou. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, momentum is on their side, but I do want to remind all Mizzou fans, when Ohio State replaces a player, he's a four-star or he's a five-star because they've been one of the great recruiting programs in the nation for the last decade. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the Dodgers right now in baseball and how that impacts Major League Baseball as a whole. They go out there and they spend a billion (laughs) dollars. I mean, they're spending a ton of cash right now, and they pick up all of these studs. How can other teams compete with that? Is the only option to go out there and just spend, spend, spend to compete? Yeah, like the other day when John Mozilla came back from the winter meetings and he, they, he was asked if he thinks he has a championship caliber team. And he said yes, but now that all, everything is going on with the Dodgers, he doesn't. There's no way the Cardinals can be as good as the Dodgers. Now, here's, here's the caveat. Nobody's going to have a better record than the Dodgers over 162 games. However, if you get to that playoff series, that five or that seven game series, and you have two smoking hot pitchers, you can win a series against the Dodgers because that's often what it comes down to. Now, whether the Cardinals have, they have Sonny Gray who can pitch with anybody in LA and now they're going to find out if they got a number two out there, but it does, you know, the Yankees used to be the evil empire. That's no longer true. It's the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers are outspending even the Yankees now. Yeah, and I remember, now keep in mind, I grew up in Detroit too, so I saw a lot of terrible Tigers teams, and whenever the Yankees came to town, somehow the Tigers would beat them in a series, and I always scratched my head saying, how is that possible? Anything could happen in baseball, I guess, but it makes me wonder too, with all of these different owners, and you look at the ownerships of these different clubs, they've made so much money over the years. The value of their club increases to the point where they're billionaires. Is it just a luxury thing? Are we going to find more owners inclined to spend the money that they're making as their clubs continue to grow in value? And that's what they're going to do almost as a vanity thing. Well, I don't know if I, if I buy that premise, I think the Dodgers and believe me, they have all the analytics people in their business department thinking, well, we just got the two most famous athletes in the country of Japan. We are picking up that entire market and they're going to buy all the Yamamoto, Yamamoto and Shohei Otani jerseys. And television-wise, we're going to explode in Japan. And the analytics, I bet it's going to work for L.A. But those are two players from a different world. And I don't think you're going to put together a roster of 25 uh, from the, for the United States and have that kind of payroll. And you throw in the fact, Ryan that there's a lot of teams that are uncertain about their revenue stream because of what has happened with Bally's and the whole local television package. So I think this is definitely the exception to the rule. Do you think it's time for a Mr. Baseball 2? Wasn't that the one with Tom Selleck going to Japan, playing baseball, introducing the sport? Maybe we need a part two now. (laughs) I wouldn't argue that. I wouldn't argue that at all. And Tom Selleck, by the way, had a good-looking swing. Yeah. Yeah, he did. But uh, yeah. I just remember that. And there's been a couple of other different movies where it shows sports introducing to other countries and cultures. And I know the NFL is making a huge effort to try to get to other countries with uh, Brazil being one of the next ones. And every team's going to be playing at least one out of country game once every five years or something like that. So it, introducing American sports across the world. I mean, it seems like this is not only a great move for the Dodgers, but for Major League Be- Baseball as a whole. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I, I, look, anytime the Cardinals have had a Japanese player like So Taguchi 
or if a Japanese player comes to town uh, to play the Cardinals, it's just crazy the amount of Japanese media that come to St. Louis freaking Missouri for a three-game series. I mean, there were 12 and 13 reporters. I mean, it's absolutely crazy uh, the way they follow Japanese stars to MLB. It's a fantastic opportunity for any native speakers in the area if they want to get in the clubhouse and interview them in their native language. You know, that is always yeah. uh, opportunities. There's there's people that never probably would have imagined they could work in sports, but they would be in high demand if uh, the more Absolutely. Uh, Frank Cusimano, KSDK Sports Director. Thank you so much for coming on and spending some time with us today. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, Ryan. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Oh, thank you. Uh, coming up after the break, uh, author David Horowitz is going to be joining us. Also, Francis Howell School Board member Adam Bertrand is also coming on to the show. A couple of, uh, wow, some really controversial things going on. So I'm looking forward to spending one more hour with you. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on 97.1 FM Talk. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 